Welcome to the 2SER Book Club, where every week we open up a new book and help you discover something to read, no matter what your taste. Here's Andrew and Tess. Morning, Andrew. Hey, how are you, Tess? <laughs> I'm going well. How are you? What's up in your life? Uh, I mean, you know, like, all the usual stuff. Do you really want to hear about that, or do you want a book? I want a book. You want a Tell book? Tell me about right. a book. I feel, I, feel like, I feel like Andrew's life on Tuesday morning would be the least <laughs> successful <Aww>. segment <laughs> I'd be interested in it. Well, it can't compete with today because today I've brought in a new novel from Heather Rose. Um, It's called Bruni and it's set down in Rose's home state of Tasmania. Ooh, love Mm. a Tasmanian one. We've had a few Tasmanian ones this year. Some great. I've actually got another Tasmanian author uh, coming up in the next few weeks. Nice. Um, But look, Bruni. So a massive $2 billion bridge is being constructed to connect sleepy Bruni Island to the Tasmanian mainland. Now, the project represents jobs and growth of course. for the Tassie economy, but it also meets with opposition from environmental groups and local interests. So when the bridge is bombed, destroying years of work, the question is not so much who could have done it, but which of the many angry parties. Astrid Coleman is recalled to her home in Hobart after decades abroad working as a United Nations fixer. She's a relationship expert as well as the sister of the Premier and the opposition leader. Oh, that's a lot of connections. So as Astrid works her way through the many and conflicting groups surrounding the bridge's construction, she continues to hear a similar refrain. Who really wants this bridge to nowhere? Who benefits? And what is it meant to achieve? So Heather Rose is the 2017 Stellar Prize winning author of the Museum of Modern Love. That novel was an expansive love story set in and around a performance piece by Marina Abramovich at uh, New York's Museum of Modern Art. So much to my shame, when my copy of Bruni arrived resplendent in a cover depicting the deep reds of a violent explosion at sunrise, I wondered if I actually had the right author. (laughs) So if you're playing along at home, this is why you don't judge a book by anything other than the completed manuscript that you have just lovingly read. I was well up for a bit of a political thriller, though, um, but I wondered how Rose's writing style would shape the emerging tensions and action that would undoubtedly unfold. Twice I was a fool, I tell you, because I had forgotten that what makes thrillers, thrillers thrilling is the interplay of relationships, and Rose is an adept observer of writing people. So Bruni is this remarkable exploration of a place and a community in extremis. A refrain throughout the novel is why are Tasmanians so good at protesting? And this invokes for the reader every march and protest through this century and the last, where Tasmania's wilderness was threatened by development. In Rose's near future, the idyllic island of Bruni is subject to the desires of a sort of a strange consortium that always seems just out of reach, but may include the Tasmanian government, the federal government... Chinese and American interests. Rose takes us into the intrigue through the Coleman family. I mentioned them before. Astrid returns when she's called and she's got to navigate between her bro- twin brother, JC. So he's the premier. He's, he's on the, the conservative side. His older sister, sorry, her older sister, Max, who is the opposition leader. She's on sort of the more progressive side. Her former politician father and her now dying but formidable mother. These relationships transform the political chess match into this real and personal intrigue that you begin to suspect has no victor. So throughout Bruni, Rose uses juxtaposition and a contrast between then and now, here and there, to highlight the disparities between Tasmania and the world, as well as what we all have this idealised past with an increasingly depressing present. 
As we arrive with Astrid in Hobart, we see Mount Wellington rising up above the city, only to turn and note the edifice of the new bridge. The question is, are they equally as impressive, equally as necessary for the city's identity and its future? It's remarkable to think that this book was probably potentially you know years in the making, but it arrives like it was written for our present moment. <laughs> Environmental and economic concerns, conflict, conservatism, creeps, and Australia's relationship with the world is called deeply into question. Rose asks a lot of questions, questions that her protagonist, for all her skill with people, might not be able to answer. But by showing us the people involved, I found the journey to these answers deeply satisfying. It's amazing as well, like you mentioned... Oh, and, and Tasmanians, you know, sort of being so good at, at protest. And I think that is something that, you know, other states can definitely take away. I know uh, my mum grew up in Tasmania and her, her very proud story that she likes to tell all the time is that her very first ever vote was on the referendum uh, for the Franklin Dam. Mm. And uh, the options were, do you want a dam further up the river or down the river? And she got to scrawl, no dam across it. And she tells everybody that was her first and only donkey vote and is, is genuinely incredibly proud of it because, you know, the Franklin Franklin River ultimately never got dammed. So it does seem to be... You know, a, a, a very, a very Tasmanian thing to to you know have these sorts of, of protests about you the have, environment. You have to read this book though, because Heather Rose. I would have, I would have said immediately. You know, like I think Tasmania is this beautiful space that needs to be preserved. And then there are these moments where one character will be invoking that, and another will will say something like, "You know, we're an island sitting on you know half a million people um, with the fertile land to support." twice, three times, ten times that much in a world where there are people literally going wanting. Yeah. And, you know, like, how can we can we sustainably believe that we can keep doing this? But then the, the earth and it's just the, there are there are more questions than answers. And, the, and that's good. Like, we don't live in a world where simple answers ever solve anything. No. So I was really happy. <laughs> I was really happy to have this book take me on this exciting journey through these types of questions. It sounds. I'm. I'm very intrigued. I'm. I'm definitely in. Uh, do we know what we're looking at next week? Okay. So I was all ready to say next week we're totally. Uh, we're absolutely going to talk about Catherine Johnson's Paris Savages. And then just before I came in, I was literally unwrapping and Claire G. Coleman's The Old Lie. So Claire. Um, Claire G. Coleman was the author of Terra Nullius. Absolutely fantastic spec fiction book. Um, I, I think we'll probably, I think we might do maybe one after the other. But okay. That's some stuff to come to look forward to. Can't wait. Thanks, Andrew. Thanks, Tess. You've been listening to the 2SER Book Club. We record on Gadigal land of the Eora Nation at 2SER's Broadway Studios in Sydney, Australia. The show is produced and presented by Tess Connery and Andrew Popel. If you're enjoying the book club, why not subscribe and get new episodes delivered straight to your phone every week? If you want more books, you can tune in to Final Draft or subscribe to Final Draft Great Conversations Podcast wherever you listen to your podcasts. To keep up with everything happening at the station and discover more stories, ideas and music, follow us on Twitter, Instagram and Facebook. Just look for at 2SER.